Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me I have my co-host, Jack Vandemotter. Welcome to the show, Jack. Glad to be back. Back in business. So today for y'all, we have a Browns post-draft analyzation and outlook episode. Draft was almost two weeks ago, and I would say Andrew Berry did a pretty good job, Jack. Yeah, and Andrew Berry's first season as the Browns GM, I think he did a really good job working with Stefanski and the whole team. Uh, to kind of come back, come together and do a really good job picking some great talent at, at their value with good value. So, so yeah, I would say he did a pretty good job, and I was really happy how him and Kevin Stefanski kind of worked together to go get their targets on the board. And that first target actually happened to be Jedrick Wills, Jack. So, do you want to talk a little bit about him for us? Yeah, Jedrick Wills, uh, right tackle out of Alabama, is going to play left tackle for the Browns. He uh, he's a very explosive athlete. And, you know, he wasn't someone that I was originally thinking would be a fantastic fit for the Browns because he played the, on the right side at Alabama. But once we drafted him and I was able to kind of do a little more research, kind of looking into him specifically, I'm actually really pleased with, with Jedrick, Jedrick as a draft pick. And before I kind of get deeper into Jedrick, uh, John, what are your thoughts about him? Well, first off, I just want to agree with you that I don't think many people saw us drafting Jed. He was the Browns' number one target on their board, apparently. But we didn't. None of the beat writers didn't. Like Nobody really just thought he was the player that the Browns were going to go get. But I'm really happy with the pick. He's a total bulldozer in the run game, which the Browns totally need. And he can hold up in the passing game, which he's also very terrific at. I'm just hoping that he can make the transition to over, left tack- over to left tackle. And I believe that he can because he's an athletic guy. So to get a little bit more in-depth to, in to address your point, Jedrick Wills and Nick Harris, two of our offensive line draft picks. We'll get to Nick Harris a little bit later. They're both, I think they're both really good fits for the Browns because they're both athletic offensive linemen. And, and Kevin Stefanski plays so much outside zone where you need those, out, those linemen to go and get blocks up the field. I think Jedrick Wills is going to be a great fit. Uh, we, we gave it an A- as a, as a tandem here on this pick. Yeah, the only reason that we didn't give Jed an A was due to the fact that he did play right tackle in college, and that was the blind side for Alabama as Tua was a lefty. But it's still hard in the NFL to make that transition, and that's why we gave it an A-. minus. Right. With that said, just to that point, like I think if there's any... like You know Makai Becton's a project. There was Tristan Wurst. Like, if there is an offensive lineman who's able to make that transition, I think it might be Jed because he's so athletic and he's so versatile. And like you said, he, can, he blocked for two on that blind side, only allowing... I think one or two, no, I think it was one career sack in 29 games started. So that's pretty That's pretty dang good. Yeah, and just to end it on Jed, in 29 career starts, he only allowed one sack, like Jack said. Last year, he was an AP second team All-American. And his PFF grade last year was 86.9, which was the number three offensive tackle per PFF. So that's a pretty home run pick, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, and it, not only is he a great player, but he fits a big need. So... Moving on to our next pick, 44 overall, Grant Delpit, safety out of LSU. What grade did you give this, John? So again, we combined and said an A-. minus, Just because, yes, he is a player that you got in the second round, and he's definitely a first-round talent in both of our opinions. But the reason why we gave him an A- minus is 
Yes, he was injured last year, but he still did miss a lot of tackles. And that's concerning, especially with the Browns, because one of their biggest problems with the defense in the past has been missed tackles. So that's the only thing that concerns me. But I'm just really happy with it because he is a guy who would have won in the first round last year. So I think the Browns got great value here at 44. And I don't know if you saw Grant Elpitt's post-presser once he got drafted, but they did a little thing after he got drafted and... A, a reporter asked Grant a question about his tackling. You know, he talked about how he kind of fell a little bit and if tackling had anything to do with that. And basically Grant responded. He, he without, you know, disrespecting the reporter, respectfully got mad at him by saying, like, I'm, I hate pe- saying, people saying I can't tackle, blah, blah, blah. And I think what really that what that really showed me was that he cares. Like, he cares about that. And I think before I get more into it, like, other than his ability not to tackle – or his lack thereof, I think Grant Telpit does everything else incredibly well. Yeah, and just to go on to that, the Browns' new defensive coordinator, Joe Wood, specializes with corners and safeties. So hopefully that's something that he can really hit head-on with Grant Delpit. And I, I definitely think it's something that Delpit can improve on just because of how good he was in the years past with his tackling. Last year, he had that high ankle sprain, so it was tough for him. But, I mean, even in a down season for him, he had 65 total tackles, two sacks, two interceptions. So, yes, he can even rap, uh, rush the passer. And he won the Thorpe Award for the best defensive back in the country. Which, respectfully, in our opinion, should have probably gone to Jeff Okuda. Yeah. But, I mean, Jeff Okuda was the third pick in the NFL, so, I mean... Yeah, exactly. And to go on top of that, he was a second-team All-American with Jedrick Wills. And PFF didn't really rank him well. He had a 68.7 grade, but he was their number one safety coming into the draft. So, Right, and, and PFF, you know, they graded him low, but, like, they still realized that he, he had a down year. It was partially because of injury, and that it's very likely that he returns back to his old form. So do you want to talk about our next pick, who was also rated really high by PFF? Yeah, so Jordan Elliott, defensive interior out of Missouri. Jordan Elliott was someone who kind of had a wide range of outcomes for where he could fall in the draft. PFF had him as the 23rd ranked prospect on their big board. And, you know, he he has some crazy athletic ability and tools. That was one of the reasons people loved him so much. However, it didn't really translate into production and statistical production. I think if the production was there, you'd probably see this guy being a potential first-round talent. But... I think it gives us great depth on the interior line, and I think it's really important because we saw last year how a lack of depth can really hurt you, and not to mention, I think, while Larry Ogunjobi and Sheldon Richardson are great, I think there is room for improvement, so it puts a little fire to kind of have those guys play their best football. Exactly, and Elliott was a force at Mizzou with 44 tackles, 8 tackles for loss, and 2.5 sacks last year. He's not a guy that gets to the quarterback a lot, but the Browns also need someone to plug the middle and stop the run, and Elliott's a good player for that. And the Browns also brought in Andrew Billings this offseason to do that, so now they have some really good depth at defensive tackle. You have four guys who are capable of playing big minutes, so that'll really help. He was a 92.4 graded by PFF. That was their third-ranked defensive lineman on the board, which is a great pickup for the Browns. But like Jack said, he has a lot of athleticism, but he didn't really key into it too much last year. So if the Browns can really just work with him and bring out his potential, he can be a great pick down the road. He's not going to be an impact starter or player, but he's someone that the Browns could keep working with over the years and develop and turn into that good starter. And to that point, you know, in because of that point, we gave this pick a B overall just because of you know, he isn't going to be an instant impact player, but 
like I think it's a common trend throughout a lot of these guys is none of these prospects are perfect. They all have an area where they need some work, but I think that shows the Browns that they're confident in their coaching staff, that they're able to get the best out of these players, and I hope that's the case. Yeah, and I would think we also just gave it a B, too, because I wouldn't say defensive tackle is something the Browns were looking for at that pick. The Browns definitely could have taken a linebacker there at 74, like Zach Bond, but we did end up trading back and acquiring another pick. But we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Yeah, we'll get into the trades. Another guy that I think is a kind of a project but showed a lot of potential is Jacob Phillips, linebacker at LSU. When it comes to his resume, you know, winning the national title and playing the best competition there is, you know, that's not a question. I think he's a very modern-day style NFL linebacker, long arms, pretty quick. And I think most importantly, he's a fantastic tackler, which is something the Browns' defense desperately needs. Um, That was his definitely his number one strength. So, Yeah, so... He led that championship defense this year with 113 total tackles over the year with one sack and one forced fumble. The thing that concerns me a little bit is that the Browns picked him over Malik Harrison because Malik Harrison's more of an older style linebacker who can play well against the run. But that's also why they said they picked Phillips because he's more athletic and he's good against the run. So it can, it's a little confusing, but... I think Phillips is a good pick here. He's not going to be an immediate starter, but with the Browns having such little depth on the linebacker core, he could have a bigger impact compared to some of these other rookies. Yeah, we we gave this pick a B-. To your point, we had such little depth that I think it's a good pick. However, there were a few people that thought we reached a little bit. He only graded 65.6 per PFF last season, which wasn't great. And there's definitely a lot of things he needs to work on. However, I think he has a lot of potential and is capable of maybe taking up one of those linebacker roles in the future for the Browns. Yeah, I agree. I I hope he can develop into a good player, but we'll have to see. Our next player that we have was our fourth-round pick at pick 115, Harrison Bryant, a tight end out of FAU. So Harrison Bryant actually had a great year for FAU, Florida Atlantic, if you guys don't know. He had 65 receptions. 1,004 yards, 7 touchdowns, and 15 yards per reception. He was the Mackey Award winner, which goes to the top tight end in the country, Jack. How did you like this pick? So I, I had a different grade than you. I think you and I, when this pick was first made, I was a little bit lower than you. Harrison Bryant is a great receiving tight end. He's almost more of a, wide, a, a big wide receiver than a tight end. You know, his physicality and blocking isn't, like, isn't great like, if you wanted a blocking tight end, you, you would have gone elsewhere with this pick. However, I think the Browns, when they made this decision, realized how good of a receiver and offensive threat he could have be, and that's why they made the pick. I mean, 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns is pretty incredible for a college tight end. Especially when you're doing that at FAU, too. Right. So, 92.3 PFF grade and an AP first-team All-American. The dude had the, the resume to back it up, for sure. Yeah, he definitely had a great year. And if you watch Building the Browns, Kevin Stefanski loves tight ends. And after they made that pick, he goes, you can never have enough tight ends. So he loves this pick. And I definitely think Bryant is someone that can come in and make not a huge impact, but still get some decent balls and get some decent plays. Yeah, and there was talk that, you know, I, well, I think what, what's interesting about this Browns team is that there might be two tight ends that are considered starters for this team. Like, Njoku and Hooper might both be starters on the majority of snaps. So 
not only does Bryant, I mean, I know he's third on the depth chart, but like he very well might see some play, a lot of playing time. Yeah, season. and and just talking about depth too, I'm kind of happy they brought in Bryant just because of the fact that Stefanski uses two tight ends sometimes. He said he might even use three tight ends, right. so it's just good to have that depth, especially with Njoku's pass and how he's gotten injured. Yeah. So our fifth round pick, pick 160 overall, we picked Nick Harris, center out of Washington. We were torn on this one, giving it a solid grade. I liked it a little bit more than John. I gave it an A minus. Would you give it, John? I gave it a B minus, but it it can definitely vary with how this all plays out. Right. So Nick Harris is a little bit undersized at six one. That was John's biggest concern. However, I think at at pick one hundred sixty, you know, he does so many other things great, and not to mention like Jedrick Wills, he's a heck of an athlete, which Stefanski loves. I think. That's part of the reason why they drafted him is because he's going to be able to get out on those blocks and help with the outside zone scheme. So Yeah, and he's an absolute mauler in the run game too, which Stefanski totally loved. He started 42 games over his four-year career at Washington. In 2017, he even started 13 games at right guard. And when I saw that pick, that I initially thought that maybe the Browns would try to try him out at right guard, which they're definitely going to do, but... They've said that he's going to be their backup center. I mean, it's, it's important. To know. I mean, J.C. Treader's great, but he's getting old. Like, they're looking towards the future. We also just did lock him up on the extension, too. Right, so. and I mean, J.C. Treader will be great for, for the next few years, but it's, it's nice to have a guy like Nick Harris who can contribute. It's definitely good depth because our offensive line, as good as our starters are now, we really don't have much depth on that line. We have Kendall Lamb and, like, Chris Hubbard, so it's kind of shaky at that point. Right. Um, last point I'm going to make before we move on to DPJ is, uh, you know, I gave Nick Arison A plus because I think the value was incredible. I mean, a lot of that's what a lot of people said too. Is like, I think if this guy was maybe a few inches taller, he would have probably gone a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, with me, I, I focus a lot more on the tools and the technique and everything else and the athleticism than I, I worry about the height. I mean, I think it's shown over the last few years that like the NFL is transitioning a lot in, in like the receivers like five years ago receivers 5'11 or smaller receiver was like a, a good one on an elite one like you had like Julian Edelman AB and that was about it like now you can 8 to 10 receivers Odell Tyreek all these guys Jarvis Jarvis right so like the NFL is transitioning more hybrid players Kyler Murray are coming into the league like it'll be very interesting to see how Nick Harris plays out Lastly, do you want to talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones a little yeah, bit? Yeah, going back to a taller receiver, more of an old-school receiver, is Donovan Peoples-Jones. We grabbed him at in the sixth round with the 187th overall pick. He went to the worst school of all time, that team up north, and we gave him a B-plus grade. Yeah, so I loved this pick when we took him. You know, he kind of fell in the draft, which most people were expecting him to go a little bit earlier, but it's probably because his production just wasn't there at Michigan. You can point to a lot of things. I think, obviously, part of it's on him. He never really reached his full potential. But I do think, you know, Michigan in their quarterback play, and their, you know, they had some problems for and sure. And player development, too. Right. So, you know, I th- it'll be interesting. Donovan Peoples-Jones, like athleticism, I think he had a 44.5-inch vertical, which is just ridiculous. He's a big guy. I mean, he's NFL ready body. The for kid sure. was a five star 
wide receiver out of high school for a reason, Jack. It was just the production wasn't there, the stats weren't there, and that's why I think he eventually dropped and kind of like scared NFL teams out of there. Because if you're a really, really good player in college, it really doesn't matter where you go sometimes. You can just produce, and that's not really what happened. Yeah, I think this is a super high upside pick for the Browns. You know, it's, it's pick 187. It's not going to kill them if they get it wrong. But I think if DPJ hits, I mean, that's a huge steal in the sixth round. Yeah, so last year, talking about his production, he had 34 receptions, 438 yards, six touchdowns, and about 13 yards per reception. The thing I like about him, too, is that he's also a punt return threat. He had, in his career, he had 89 returns for 743 yards and two touchdowns. The Browns have really lacked that spark plug at the return position. They signed JoJo Nats in this offseason and try to fix that. So it'll be cool to see these two kind of compete in training camp if there is one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they yeah. came out. I think they came out and said that DPJ will be used in the return game. So ex- expect to see that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. So. so let's talk about some of these trades that affected our draft. So the first one was the Browns traded down from the 41st overall pick with the Colts, and the Colts grabbed Jonathan Taylor, the great running back out of Wisconsin, but in return, the Browns received the 44th overall pick and a fifth-round pick, pick 160, which in return got us Nick Harris. Yeah, I love this trade. I mean, you, you get your guy, Grant Delpit, who they were going to take either way, and then you add Nick Harris. I mean, I don't see how you could argue that this is That's a an A-plus move right. by Andrew Barry. That's a veteran move by him right there. Yeah, impressive for a guy who's only 33 years old. Next trade, the Browns traded the 74th overall pick in the third round and the 244th pick in the seventh round to the Saints. They received the 88th pick in the third round and a 2021 third round pick. That 74th pick turned into linebacker Zach Bond. And Jonah Jackson, who was another target for the Browns, went right after him at 75. What do you kind of grade this pick? Yeah, so this one was definitely a lot more questionable. I wouldn't call it a home run by any means. I would give this trade probably a C plus. Yes, we did acquire another third round pick last year, but I really would have liked to see someone like Zach Bond in Cleveland. It'll be interesting. I mean, if Jordan Elliott ends up playing a significant role, we'll look back on this and not even care. But for me, I I even give it a worse grade than a C plus. I think there was a real teardrop off of talent, I think, Right after we traded that pick, Zach Bond, all these guys that I think were you kind of from falling guys a who bit. could make an immediate right. impact to guys who are going to be projects. That's well put, well put. And I think the other thing is like we needed linebackers so bad that you know Zach missing a guy like Zach Bond kind of hurt. And then not to mention Jonah Jackson, who we need. Yeah, we have two a, guys who right. could have came in and played, especially right. at linebacker and especially at some more right guard, which is the, definitely the most shaky position on the Browns line now. So I don't, I don't think this trade is going to kill the Browns by any means, but it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. And it, it's also nice that we did pick up an extra third-round pick for next year. Exactly. So we'll also see what turns out with that. Extra capital is always great. And talking about extra capital, the Browns, between John Dorsey and Andrew Barry, now have 10 picks next year. They have our first pick, our second pick. We have two third picks, the second courtesy of the Saints. We have two fourth-rounders, the second courtesy of the Eagles for Gennard Avery, and uh, two fifth-round picks, the second courtesy of the Rams for Austin Corbett. And then we have our sixth and our seventh-round pick. So next year's draft, the Browns are loaded. Yeah, and it's it's a common trend with Andrew Barry, who was in Cleveland during the Sashi Brown days when they acquired a bunch of picks. And I think it'll go on to 
to pay off well for the Browns. So before we get into the roster impressions and how we kind of look post-draft, what is your overall grade for this draft? So my overall grade was an A-, minus. I think yours was the same. Yeah, so we both agreed, A-. minus. I think they got some really good value. A lot of guys who, you know, they need some work, but I'm, I'm encouraged to see what the, this new Browns coaching staff can do. Yeah, and like you said earlier, everyone has a place where they just have to work on their game. So that's why I would give it an A-. minus. I, I really love what Andrew Barry did with this first draft. I think he hit it out of the park, and I'm very impressed with what he did. But I, I would never say there's a perfect draft for any team. Right. I'm, I'm interested to see how this pans out, though. So looking at our roster post-NFL draft, what do you want to talk about first? So first pick was Jed Wills. So let's talk about our line. So our line was horrendous last year. But now it's actually looking like it's going to be pretty great. So we got Jack Conklin to play right tackle. We have Jed to play left tackle. The only position that kind of has a question mark next to it is right guard. Right guard, for sure. Um, we, we got a couple guys, though, that I think Drew Forbes last year is someone who didn't play at all, but I think could potentially have an impact. I wouldn't be surprised to see him being the starter come week one. Yeah, they kind of thrown Drew Forbes all around the line and just tested him out at each, each position. But coming with a training camp, Drew Forbes is going to be someone that's going to start competing for that right guard job. But they also have Wyatt Gar, who started the whole half of last season at right guard. They have Chris Hubbard, who they're also going to try out there. He'll most likely end up being a swing tackle. And then they also have Nick Harris, who's also going to get some snaps there in training camp. But I don't really expect him to kind of win out on that one. It'll be interesting. I, I view him probably more as a development, not especially considering like if he does play right guard, he's going to have to make a pretty decent transition and learn a lot of new nuances of the position. So the one thing this does tell me, you know, between Nick Harris and, and Jedrick Wills, who are both absolute monsters in the run game, is that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are prepped for a monster season. And it also shows that the Browns are just really into and really just content with making this line great. Right, and just building around Baker too, helping Baker. I think, you know, at, at the 10th pick when you had all these receivers and, you know, there's some fancy ways you could have gone, but I think they did the right move by just sitting there and staying put and drafting the best offensive tackle available. So just talking more about the line real fast, do you think Jed Wills is going to be able to make the switch? So personally, you know, everyone's talking about this when it comes to Jedrick Wills. This is might be, like, my least of my concerns. Like, I don't know if you saw the video of Joe Thomas reacting to this mm-hmm. pick, but he absolutely was ecstatic. Jedrick Wills was his number one tackle. I, I don't think you can get a better endorsement than that. And, and Jedrick Wills is so athletic, not to mention he he played at Alabama in the SEC against the best competition, guarding to his blind side. I, I, I really don't think this is going to be an issue for Jedrick Wills. Yeah, and Alabama produces such great players and even Nick Saban said if anyone could make this switch it would be Jed Wills so right so that's pretty good to hear <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a couple good endorsements with Jedrick Wills um, so one position you know we addressed it with Grant Delpit but we still are kind of thin on his safety so it went from it went from a weak spot so now we have a little bit of depth you know we have Carl Joseph but he's only on a one-year contract so how are we looking for not only this year but also into the future yeah so the Delpit pick really addressed like a hole in the Browns roster, but there's still some question marks. The Browns brought in Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo, both on one-year deals. Joseph is a former first-round pick, very athletic guy, but he also gets injured a decent amount, so bringing in Delpit was good just because now you have three guys that are capable of starting. 
Plus, you have Sheldrick Redwine, who was our fourth-round pick last year. He had some playing time at the end of last season. So you have four good safeties that you can kind of just go to and play. So I, I think that it went from a really weak spot to a pretty decent spot on the Browns. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out this year. But concerning next year, Delpitch, if he does develop the way that we think he will, he'll be a starter. But the Browns will either have to look to Redwine or to look at free agency or the draft again to get that other safety. So one one point you brought up before I move on is, you know, Carl Joseph has had some injury concerns. Grant Delpit will probably start at free safety, but a lot of people view him as a better strong safety because of those problems with tackling in space. So I think it's really nice that we have a guy that, you know, will probably play free safety when Carl Joseph is healthy. But if, if Carl Joseph were to go down, I think he could potentially slide into that strong safety role, and then Anderson Deho could come in and play free safety. Yeah, and kind of like what we talked off the mic too, Anderson Deho is also capable of playing both positions. Right. And it's always easier for a rookie to come in and learn one position versus learning two positions. So I definitely think Anderson Deho is someone that could come make that switch too. And just one last thing about the safeties, Carl Joseph's on a one-year prove-it deal, former first-round pick. If he has a good year this year, I could definitely see the Browns bringing him back. Absolutely. I would love him. I, I mean, I think he brings a lot of physicality and toughness, and I think he could help a lot with our tackling issues. Okay, so moving on to the defensive line, where we addressed a couple a couple positions, including with Jordan Elliott. Uh, what do you think about our depth on the defensive line? And potentially, we're, I mean, we might not even be done adding talent. I am absolutely loving the depth on our defensive line. My magic number for the defensive line is always eight, having good four defensive ends and having good a uh, good four defensive tackles, and that's exactly what the Browns have done. Now they have Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Chad Thomas, and Adrian Claiborne, who they picked up in free agency. Chad Thomas is someone I actually kind of like, but people hate on. I think he could have a good year with continued development. And then you have four good defensive tackles now. You have Ogan Joby, and you have Sheldon Richardson. And then you go out and add Andrew Billings in free agency and draft Jordan Elliott in the draft. I think the Browns are pretty set at the defensive line. The one change that they could obviously make, though, is... Right, so Jadavion Clowney. And not only Jadavion Clowney, but there's also rumors about Everson Griffin. But I'm going to focus on Jadavion a little bit more. You know, there's recently some news that came out that, you know, if he was to resign with Seattle, he's going to take a pay cut, which he obviously doesn't want to do. So there's a very high chance that he is going to land with a different team. It'd be interesting to see, you know, if the Browns might make a run at him. Yeah, the Browns or the Jets, someone with just like a higher, right. higher salary that they could pay him. Jadavion is someone that would be very complimentary opposite of Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is great against the pass, but last year kind of didn't do amazing against the run. While on the opposition, Jadavion Clowney is amazing against the run, but didn't really produce against the pass. So I think putting those two together would be a fantastic fit for the They'd complement each other really well, yeah. And to that point, like, your, your Magic 8, like, when Miles Garrett got suspended last season, like you could see the clear drop off in the defensive, the defense and the defensive line, like in general. So people never like to think about depth; they always look at the starters. But it's, it's adversity. Adversity strikes every single NFL team. So to, I think Andrew Barry has done such a good job adding depth, not only at defensive on the defensive line, but at every position. So I'm really excited to see how that pans out. Exactly. And talking about a position now where we have a lot of depth too, which we already kind of talked about, is the tight end position. And I just am really excited for the competition. I definitely think it could bring out the best of David Njoku and Harrison Bryant. 
you have Austin Hooper already, you have Njoku, you have Harrison Bryant, you brought back Farrell Brown, and you have Stephen Carlson returning. So I definitely think the Browns have a good crop of tight ends. I'll see them coming into week one with four, but I could definitely also see them bringing one of these guys on their practice squad too. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. Njoku's a guy who... He has the athleticism. I mean, you can see him in the red zone. He's but so he, athletic. He hasn't produced to the point where we've wanted him to, or we've hoped to, or where he was drafted for. I think he, and so I, I do. I think this depth in this competition is gonna be really good for him. Yeah, I, it will be fun. Stefanski loves his tight end, so I definitely think the Browns have good depth there. Now. And not to mention one last point is like the NFL has is moving in a completely different direction where tight ends are more valuable than ever. So I think the Browns are kind of ahead of the curve in that area. And just talking about depth, too, moving on to our next point, too, wide receiver. The Browns brought in depth with Donovan Peoples-Jones, and they brought a fan favorite back, one of our favorites, Richard Hollywood Higgins. Yes, sir. So going before the draft, I mean, this was a position that, uh, you know, at, at first glance looks kind of, Nice because you got Odell no, and Jarvis. No, at first glance it looks awesome, but then you look right. past it and it's very worrisome. Like no one was really talking about it, but wide receiver was a pretty big need for the Browns going before the draft. So to see them come out with DPJ and then re-sign Hollywood, which we were both hoping would happen, is I think is huge. Yeah, so just first glance you think it's the Browns' strongest position. Now you can actually argue that it's one of their strongest positions. Hollywood Higgins is... A great, great receiver, in my opinion. He catches everything his way. He's reliable. And the thing that I love about him is his chemistry with Baker. He has great chemistry with Baker. They grew up on that second-string offense two years ago when Baker was coming into the league. And I just really think it's someone who is just so reliable that the Browns can look to on a big third down or a big play in the red zone. Yeah, and Hollywood yeah, Hollywood signed on a one-year $910,000 deal in on a, in an interview, he kind of said this was his last. Like he's treating this year as if it's his last shot. As a, it's like a, it's a prove it deal, and so I, you know, everyone knows about him and Freddie clashing last year and how he had a terrible year, barely seeing the field. But I think Higgins is a guy that could surprise a lot of people. I mean, Browns fans know about him, but around the NFL, and he could have a much bigger year than people are anticipating. So I, I love that move. And just one more thing on him too, he said that other teams even offered him more to leave Cleveland. But he wants to win here. He wants to prove everyone here that the Browns are a team that can win, that can move on to the playoffs and maybe even go to the Super Bowl. So I just love it that the Browns finally have a culture where guys want to be here. Right. So moving on, linebacker. That's one position that going into the draft, I really hope was hoping that we'd address in we got Jacob Phillips, but he's kind of a project. I mean, I'm not so sure he's going to be a, a guy that's going to come in and make a huge impact. What are your thoughts about our linebacker group right now? Yeah, so the linebacker position is something that I actually am still really worried about. We have Mac Wilson, who was a who was a rookie last year. We have Sione Takitaki, who was a rookie last year. The difference is, obviously, that Mac played a ton and Sione barely played. And then you brought in B.J. Goodson in free agency, who was a starter for half the year last year, but traditionally hasn't been a starter his whole career. And now you bring in Jacob Phillips. So you have four go-to linebackers in the front office's opinion, but it's very, very inexperienced, and it's something that definitely scares me. The Browns will play two or three linebackers most of the time, 
And there's just not the depth there that we need. There's not the experience there that we need. And I don't think there's the leadership there that we need to. So linebacker is something that scares me and a position that I still think we need to address. So to that point, I think you mentioned in a tweet on follow our Twitter, by the way, at Hottest Take Pod, that our average age of linebacker was, I think, 24.2 or something like that. What do you think about bringing in a guy like Clay Matthews, who not only could add some depth at linebacker, but, but could really add a veteran presence and help teach these guys a little bit? Yeah, so I think bringing in Clay Matthews would actually be a great, great move. Like you said, we tweeted it on our Twitter, and thank you guys so much for all the support. The tweet totally blew up. But I named four specific things that I really think Clay Matthews would bring to this team. One, I think he would be a situational rusher, and he brings so much depth. He definitely would compete for a starting job day one, just because of how inexperienced the rest of our linebackers are, but that depth would be so important. Two, for all of you old-time and long-time and lifelong Browns fans, there's obviously the legacy there. Clay Matthews Jr., his dad, was a legend here in Cleveland, and who obviously deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and is not for some reason. So it would just be great for the city of Cleveland to have that Matthews name back in here playing for a Browns team that could actually be good this year. Three is leadership in the locker room and on the field. He, he's been there. He's done that. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been with competing teams. His experience, his leadership could be so beneficial to this super young team that doesn't have many of those leaders that have been far in the playoffs and that have gone whole NFL season. And then fourth, like you mentioned, just the veteran presence and the age. The average age is 24.2 years old, and that's crazy. And it could go down with some of the linebackers that the Browns release after training camp. So like Mac Wilson's 22. So just having that veteran presence in the linebacker group with all of these young guys, he can make an impression that could last for these linebackers' whole careers. Right, and to that point, you know, with Mac Wilson being so young, he showed a lot of talent, but he definitely needs to take a step up. Linebacker being one of the most important positions in stopping the run, in which the Browns have been so bad at the last few years, I think it's really it would be really big to bring in a guy like Clay Matthews just for depth and, and who can teach these guys a little bit. So kind of moving on to just overall thoughts before we get into what we could potentially do in some of our Twitter questions. You know, I think it's clear that Barry really made it an effort to not only add depth, but to build around Baker Mayfield and make it as easy as possible on not, not only Baker, but on first-time head coach Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, he's definitely making Stefanski's job a lot easier. We'll obviously see what happens with Stefanski. But two things that you said, they're doing everything, absolutely everything they can do to make Baker successful. And they're adding depth, something that the Browns really, really lacked last year. Yeah, so I'm very excited to see how this roster pans out and how these, if Baker could potentially, you know, rebound from a, a year that most people would like to forget. So before we get into our Twitter questions, I want to talk about are there any possible moves? I know we already mentioned a couple, or, or are there any possible rumors you'd like to address? So just three quick things. The Browns said they wanted to stick with OBJ and Miles long term. It's so frustrating just seeing all of these OBJ rumors twenty four seven. It's so, it's like and it's just an ongoing carousel. Like how many times do do the guys have to come yeah, out and say and it's not going to Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski both said they want OBJ long term, and that's just it's really nice to see it. It's probably really nice for OBJ too to just know he's in a place where he's wanted. But I I never think that the rumors will die down. Hopefully they die down a little bit more than they would be. But it was just nice to see Barry say that. Next. 
It was also nice to see that the Browns want to commit to David Njoku. They did pick up the, his fifth-year option, so he'll be with the Browns for two more years. But they said they really like him as a player and that they want to stick with him. Some people thought that the Browns bringing in Harrison Bryant in the draft would be Njoku on his way out. By first impression, that's what I thought, admittedly. But they want to stick with him, and he still has a ton of potential there, so I'm excited to see what he'll do. Right, so I was like, David Njoku is only 23 years old. I mean, people forget that because he's been in the league for a few years, but... I mean, he's, he's a very young guy. He still has a ton of room to improve. And we saw when David Njoku went down, you know, I'm not saying David Njoku was the entire red zone offense, but, you know, Baker, David Njoku was a huge red zone target for Baker in his rookie season. And, and it makes sense, I mean, because the dude has an enormous catch radius. I think red zone was one of our biggest issues, and I think getting a guy like David Njoku back is going to be huge. So... Last last part of our podcast before we uh, move on, we want to talk about a few Twitter questions we got. So the first one is from Aaron Wood on Twitter. He asked us, Browns have a good draft this year, and Baker Mayfield has tools for, for success. How will he take advantage of the talent around him? So this is an interesting question. Stefanski came out and said Mayfield is, out of any guy in the locker room, the most eager to put last year behind him. So I think it'll be very interesting to see what Baker does. I think Stefanski is so focused on making this offense black and white for Baker, making it as easy as possible so he doesn't have to deal with any outside distractions, any outside BS. I, I really hope that he's able to kind of utilize these tight ends, which, you know, it's it, it's interesting because when, when David and Joker went down, Ricky Steele's Jones, like, emerged. Like, Baker has loved his tight ends, whether it was Mark Andrews at Oklahoma or since he's into the, le- the league. So I I think adding that depth at tight end is going to be huge. Yeah, even like targeting Steven Carlson, who jumped from the practice squad in the end zone, like versus the Steelers. That's just huge. So Aaron, how is he going to take advantage of this talent around him? He's really going to utilize his tight ends. Stefanski has two tight ends, even three tight end sets for Baker, and they're really going to utilize the run. So they're going to take that pressure off of Baker when they need it. We have great running backs and Hunt and Chubb, so that's how he's going to utilize his talent. And the one last point is, you know, it, it came out that Odell was injured and he had all these, he had the, the sports hernia. I also think the receivers are going to take a step up. I think the, a big problem, I mean, Jarvis had a fantastic year, but Odell wasn't getting a lot of separation, even though Baker, yes, he missed Odell when he was open a few yeah, times. Yeah, not pretty throws. Right, so, but even then, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of opportunity for Baker to take advantage of these targets, which he didn't really do last year. And going on to our next question from our good friend Cheese West, shout out Chase. With the recent resigning of Rashard Higgins, do you think he will play a large role, complementary role, or small role in the offense? So, look, I, to say he would be playing a large role, I think, would be kind of a stretch because there's so yeah. many mouths to feed on this offense. You know, it's going to be a run-heavy offense. I don't think this guy, I mean, as much as I'd love to see it, I don't think he's going to put up 1,000 yards. But I would say a complimentary role. I mean, you could definitely see when when he was on the field with Baker, the, the just chemistry that they had. I think he'll be a, offer a fantastic third option behind the stars who are probably probably going to be getting all the defense's attention. Chase, I think complimentary role is actually the perfect way to state it. Right. He's the guy that is good enough. You have a CB3, a cornerback 3 on him, a third guy on the depth chart covering him, and he, that's going to be someone he's going to beat. He's going to be someone that if Jarvis and Odell even have a guy that's kind of beating them, 
He's someone that you're going to be able to target. He's going to be a go-to guy. And like I said earlier, he's someone reliable that Baker can go. He's going to be that compliment in the end zone that really isn't covered up. You saw that last year with the Bills and two years ago where the Falcons. He wasn't really covered, and he's going to play that compliment where he can go there and get those really reliable catches, those really big catches in the end zone or on the third down to move those sticks up. Yeah, so I hope to see a bounce back here for Rashard Higgins, and that wraps up our our post-draft special. Yeah, that that's just about it. We'll have another episode coming out next week. We'll be looking at our schedule that was just recently released tonight. Right, I'm very interested to kind of dive into that and, and look at really the nuances and what, what we can expect moving forward in the into the 2020 season. Well, thank you all again for listening. Jack, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. As always, glad to be here. And we will see you all next week. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Big Bad Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Also, make sure you go give us a follow on Instagram and on Twitter at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.